So we're in Second Corinthians chapter uh, twelve. Woo! We're moving on, uh, and so I don't have a, an outline, uh, and if I did, I couldn't print it. So it's in it's digitally. Uh, I'll have one for you next time, but next Sunday night. But uh, go to go to Second Corinthians chapter twelve, and uh, we're going to launch into this chapter. Um, <clears throat> all right, so. Um, now, I know some of you were probably all-star athletes in your time, but if you've ever played the game of football, right, uh, or if you, how many of you ever played high school, or uh, football, or not football, but like collegiate sports? Tom, did you play in college? No. Did you, Jamie? Okay. Well, I know you guys were athletes, right? So, I don't know about you, but when I was when I was in uh, in high school, our coach used to say there's a, a big, this guy played for uh, uh MU, our football coach, and he had his he had a broken femur, and his backup at tackle for MU ended up going to the going to the pros and playing the pros. So the thing was always like, well, you know, if I wouldn't have broke my femur, I'd have been in the pros. Well, I don't know about that, but anyway, uh, one of his things he'd always say. Um, and this, he had this super deep voice way down here in the basement when he talked. You know, he's like, uh, "There's a difference between playing hurt." Playing injured, and he would always complain because guys would get. You ever hear that, Jamie? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so there's hurt and then there's injured, right? So what? So really, what that means is, uh, well, what's that mean, Jamie? What's that mean to the football player? Huh? How big's your heart, right? And and you got to be used to playing with pain. Right, that's the bottom line. If you're going to play like football or wrestle, you just play with pain. I mean, it is pain when you wrestle. It is pain. There's no playing with pain. It is pain. So, um, so uh, I came across an article. This is many years old. I won't read it to you in detail, but it's a, it's in the NFL. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, New York, Herman Edwards, he used to actually be a coach. For, he used to play for the Jets, and he, then he was a coach here for a while for at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. He says there's no sissies playing football, and uh, and his point was is that compared to baseball players and things like that, football players uh, were um, you know a lot tougher than your average athlete. Uh, of course, this is before when he said this. This is before MMA blew up. But Pro Football Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott, he bent a finger the wrong way one time and told the doctor to just cut the tip off so he could get back onto the playing field and uh if you know who ronnie lott is that's not an exaggeration i mean he was that kind of guy he was a little in uh and matt bledsoe says pain is part of the game you play you play this game you're going to get knocked around you're going to get hurt and uh and so of course these are all football players and uh, they don't get hurt as much as they used to um the starkest realities in the violent and sometimes barbaric world of professional football is the one thing that separates the sport from just about every other, and that's pain, more specifically playing with pain. In the NFL, pain is a player's constant companion, like a callus on a blacksmith's hand or the annoying orbits pop-up ad on the Internet. Uh, it never goes away. And so the only guys who aren't, this isn't my words, these are things that were written about NFL pain. The only guys who aren't in pain are the guys on the bench, said Edwards, who played 10 years with the Philadelphia Eagles before becoming a coach. When you play, you know you're, you're never going to be as well as before you started playing. Something is going to be wrong with you. Yet pain really st- rarely stops these men. And the question is why? And so there's a number of reasons why. Uh, the, the, the first one is responsibility. 
we have to feed our families, uh, Adam said. This is a football player. There are hundreds of guys out there who want to play, guys who want my job, and if I don't go out there and earn it every day, whether I'm hurt or not, someone else is going to take it. You do what you do to keep your job. So responsibility is why people play with pain in uh, professional sports, especially football. Peer pressure is another one. Um, I think... Uh, bigger than anything is a peer pressure, said Bill's tight end Mark Campbell, who takes a pain-killing injection every Sunday to dull the constant ache in his right elbow, which is in need of surgery. You uh, you don't want to let your teammates down when you're not uh, playing. You feel bad like you're letting the team down. So that's a big part of it, uh, even in high school sports, I know. Uh, peer pressure, so responsibility, peer pressure, which is pressure of another sort. Another one is a pride of life, or as they say in this article, tough guy mentality, right? Uh, to a certain extent, many of these guys think they have an S on their chest and almost have to believe that, you're, that they're kind of a superhero to be able to excel in, con- in a contact sport like this, said uh, the Bills, uh, Buffalo Bills coach. Another one is pride, which I just mentioned. There are, there are times on Saturday when I say, boy, I don't know if I can do this. Edward said, but when the adrenaline hits after the meeting and, and I had Dick Vermeil uh, fire me up, I felt so obligated to my teammates to go out and win the game. That's how I felt, and that's how I played, and that's how I even feel now. So that's, that's Herman Edwards said that. Being a good teammate's another reason. Uh, it says we play for each other. Senator Trey Teague said we, so you hear that a lot in combat too, right? Soldiers say they fight for one another. We see someone going out there, playing hurt, going through something like that, and it makes you want to go out there. You kind of feel like those guys have got your back and you've got theirs. So that's the reason you guys fight through injuries. Uh, it's because of the teammate, their teammates. So uh, now times have changed uh, even a lot since these guys wrote this article in the NFL. But two things haven't changed. Number one, the NFL is a, is a, a game that involves pain, and pain is when it hurts. Um, and when it hurts, it hurts. Number two, unless it's impossible to play, players are going to play regardless of pain. Uh, and so the Bills coach said, that's the thing I marvel at the most, being able to coach at this level. I'm amazed at the ability of some of these guys to make plays, but I'm more amazed at their body's ability to respond and play week after week. These are tough guys, and anybody who says they're not, stand down there on the sidelines and hear what goes on and see it. And so, um, you know, what in the world does the NFL and pain and playing with pain have to do with what we're going to talk about this morning So, or this evening? Well, I'm glad you asked. So uh, we're going to see that Paul's not only going to, going to deal with endurance, but he's enjoying serving God even through the pain. And Paul endured a lot of pain to serve the Lord. We were just talking about this. At, uh, uh, I touched on this slightly Sunday, Saturday morning after Mark's devotion at the men's breakfast. Um, you know, the people that have preceded us in the, in the church, starting with the apostles, uh, they, they lived their life and endured a lot of hardships for the gospel's sake. So, um, so these are three things that we'll look at regarding Paul in this chapter, First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Number one, he spent time in God's presence. Uh, the second thing is he spent he saw life from God's perspective, and then he served under God's power. That's how he was able to handle all the pain uh, and the suffering that uh, he was willing to fellowship with Christ in. Uh, and so, like like the men described in these articles I just read, Paul was willing to endure suffering to see the kingdom of God advanced. He didn't expect the kingdom of God to be advanced without some some suffering, some hurt. 
and some pain. And so as Christians, it's important as we grow, especially and mature, uh, that we sacrifice. Now remember, Paul, uh, we've already covered this, that Paul's getting, uh, as much as the things have gotten right in Corinth, there's still people that have some things wrong, and uh, they're not respecting Paul probably like they ought to. And so as we get to chapter 11, or chapter 12, uh, he's going to deal with uh, some more of these things. But uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 12, let's just look at the text. We're going to look at the first ten verses to, tonight. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carrying, carried away with, the, uh, with these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to, to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is... Oh, I'm in First Corinthians. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm in the wrong. I'm in the wrong book. There we go. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't see that. There he goes. It's not expedient for me. There we go. It's not expedient for me. Doubtless to glory. Uh, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Oh, there goes my paper. Uh, such a one caught up to the third heaven, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Uh, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire uh, to glory, I shall not be a fool. Uh, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. <coughs> For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it may uh, depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak... Then am I strong. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to look at these ten verses and uh, what we get through them tonight, what the passages that we get to see. Lord, I pray you just magnify them in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and his example to us and a man who endured hardship for the cause of Christ. I pray, God, that we would learn from this passage and that we'd be encouraged and inspired. And, uh, and Lord, that we are involved in something much more greater than a, than a, a sport. Lord, it's not a game. It's not something we play with. <coughs> this is souls of men and women. Lord, I pray, God, that the advancement of the kingdom of God would be accomplished in our lives and that we would just uh, take heart from the things that we're hearing and learning from your word tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. <coughs> I don't see Amy. There she is. Man, you're like the Holy Ghost. Thank you, honey. <coughs> so. <coughs> I drank too much tea this week. I think it's dehydrated me. All right. So playing with pain. Credible Christians spend time in God's presence, as I've said. They spend. We'll see. In the, we'll probably only get through the first four verses here, and uh, and that's the one thing that Paul did. <clears throat> How did he get to the place where you get down here, where he says, you know, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses. He's not saying I endure them reluctantly. He's like, I take pleasure in that stuff. 
because he's a sadomasochist. No, not because of that. Because, because no, because he really understands that he's in something much bigger than himself. He takes he takes uh, pleasure in that because he spends time in God's presence. He sees life from God's perspective. And he serves under God's power. So that's how we endure hardness. Second Corinthians twelve, one through four. So if you're taking notes, which I know I've given, I'm not giving you the cheat sheet. So I apologize for that. Um, uh, this is our first point: credible Christians spend time in God's presence. That's verses one through four. If you're following my outline, verses one through four. Credible Christians, and you know we've been talking about credible Christians for uh, week after week in this section. They spend time in God's presence. So uh, you see here in verse verse one. Let's go back to verse one. It's not expedient for me, uh, doubtless, to glory. <clears throat> I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord, and so. He's already been through chapter 11, of course, and he talks about being a Hebrew of the Hebrews and all of those things. So we know Paul's credentials are outstanding. Uh, he's been apprehended and uh, and he's escaped through a window in verse 33 in a basket. You know, and he talks about all these exploits, but he says, you know, uh, since we're, you know, and remember he's saying I speak as a fool, meaning he's 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 basically saying, you know, you ought to you ought to listen to me, but since you're not, I'll tell you a few reasons why you should. Right? He had all that plus the care of the churches. We covered all that, but now he comes to you know visions and revelations and he's like you know god has given me vision and revelation and so god gives us vision and revelation when we spend time with him after his salvation after he escaped from a window what did he do he went down to arabia and spent time with the lord and 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 what he's referring to is god gave him the mysteries of the kingdom of god that 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 we now are been we've been stewarding for this dispensation as a matter of fact we're coming toward the end of this dispensation so these these mysteries that were given to paul which is which he says himself this is his testimony um you know he had visions and revelations of the lord uh and it's not expedient for him to glory in that uh he and then he goes into the third person and says i knew a man in christ about 14 years ago whether in the body or out of the body i cannot tell whether uh, he goes whether out of the body i cannot tell god knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven i mean he's given us some insight like whoa i mean he's he's he he's saying i got to the third heaven i mean i don't know if i was in the body or out of the body but that's that's what he's saying and he says and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. So he's not going to debate that issue. How he was caught up into paradise, and that's how we know paradise is now in the third heaven, and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. So what he's saying is that obviously the things that he's seen are so glorious that he is, and, and he also isn't at liberty to discuss everything that uh, he's he's privy to there, and he's not going to cross the line. But he's he's had God has given uh, him vision and revelation. Now the truth of the matter is, he's given us vision and revelation too. How's he how's he given us vision and revelation? Through the Word of God. We have the words of God. We have them right here. So we have a vision and revelation. And we sometimes break our arm patting ourselves on the back because we think we have so much vision and revelation. And we do. And we do. We are stewards of the mysteries of Christ. And so God has given us the whole counsel of His Word. So we are very responsible for the visions and revelations. Therefore, we should definitely be like Paul then in glory, not in what we know, but in how we serve, right? It's a, and it's not enough to say I made the team. What's important is that you contribute on the field, right? And so, um, and so Paul uh, is talking about these visions and revelations. And you guys know Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, 
people perish, right? And it's important that we meet with God so He can reveal Himself, uh, His will, and our purpose, right? Where are we going with God? Where, what is God's vision for us in His kingdom agenda? So Paul goes to Arabia. Uh, he's caught up he, here. He says he gets visions. He's in the third heaven, all kinds of things. That set his purpose, his vision, his mission, his go-forward plan um, for his life as well. His life was intertwined with God's purposes, and he found that by spending time with Christ. Obviously, starts with getting saved. God's vision for our life is not to cast us into hellfire. That was prepared for the devil and his angels. God is, his plan is to redeem us from the curse of the law. He's a benevolent God, fortunately for all of us. And so the day that we come to Christ, we, we get saved by grace through faith. And that God's vision then is for us to be sons of God. I mean, we are, uh, behold what manner the love of uh, the love of the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So Paul had a tough mission. Uh, his job was to fill up the sufferings of Christ. That's a, that's a big job, you know. So J- Jesus left a little suffering. <laughs> so he's like, I've done enough suffering on the cross to save the world, but I'd leave a little leftovers for you over here, Paul, and for the apostles and for us today too. So Paul had a tough mission. He was to fill up the sufferings of Christ. Sometimes in the game of life, uh, we, we do need to take a break, right? In football, it's called a timeout. Uh, and at a timeout, you consult with the coach. If you're in soccer, you lay on the ground and thrive, you know, flop around like a fish. But that's another story. But anyway, you get a timeout, and uh, and you consult with the coach, and you and you strategize on what's going to go on. And even Jesus frequently escaped to the wilderness to meet privately with the Father. As a matter of fact, I just mentioned that this morning uh, when he revealed to the disciples what was and the people gathered there north of Galilee. What was really important, you know, was 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 uh, not to gain the things of this earth, right? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, right? And what should a man give in exchange for his soul? Uh, he's sharing that after kind of a respite, after he's been rejected, after, and he's also preparing for more suffering. Uh, within six months of that discussion, you know, he, he tells him, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. Well, he hadn't been put on the cross yet, so he's also foreshadowing what's about to happen to him. I will be crucified, I will die, and you're going to be, you're going to suffer as well. So Jesus, uh, to, to bear the weight of ministry, he's God in the flesh. He had to get away every so often and uh, get along with the Father. So uh, so P- Moses, uh, point two, which you don't have in your notes, Moses and many Old Testament leaders were called to personal meetings with the Lord. It's personal time, so just to reiterate that, uh, the, the vision right that I'm talking about, God gives us vision and revelation when we spend time with him. So I'm still drilling down on that point. Um, so Moses and many Old Testament leaders were called to personal meetings with the Lord so he could instruct them and comfort them and encourage them, even even challenge them, right? Uh, not always was it a good meeting in the sense of it always had a good outcome, but sometimes God had to challenge his His uh, His stewards. Uh, and Moses was not just to show up, he said in Exodus 24, 12, uh, but he was to be there, right? And man, what a great principle for us today. There, it, it's not enough just to show up you got to be there. you got to be engaged. And uh, how easy it is to be checked out today and just go, Phew. ADD is on an all-time high. It's rising because of technology. Technology is it fosters ADD, attention deficit disorder. And so uh, I believe that's a, hist- uh, a uh, scientific fact now. So uh, God says, show up and be there. 
Make sure I have your undivided attention. Elijah was ministered to and encouraged to get back to work after meeting with God. So in 1 Kings 19, he was like ready to quit. Kind of like Peter, right? I'm done. I'm, oh, woe was me. But God met with him and said, hey, come on. There's other people. You need to get in the game. That, remember that responsibility and, and, the, and the peer pressure and all that other stuff? He's like, Elijah, you're not the only guy left. You got to get back in the game, man. We got, I got, I got a purpose for you. So he secluded himself in fear because of the threats of Jezebel. Isn't that how it is? Sometimes, I mean, one minute he's slaughtering the prophets of Baal. I mean, he's on cloud nine, and you know he's just certain. Uh, he's certain that this is the, this is just the beginning of the end. I mean, this is God's, God's initiative is going to get accomplished. They just had a great experience, a great conference, a great whatever, great meeting, and then he comes back and Jezebel's not even moved. She's like, so what? Yeah, I'm going to kill you. You know, and he's like, all of a sudden, fear paralyzes his heart. He goes into depression and runs off in the woods. <laughs> you know, what was me? And God has to meet with him and say, hey, wake up. You know, I'm not done yet. And you're not the only one left. Uh, and so there's others that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And so after he was secluded, after these threats from Jezebel, he gathered uh, to him angels. God gave him angels and that were his ministers. And, uh, and 7,000 hadn't bowed their knees to Baal, right? So he was encouraged uh, because he knew he was not alone. He obviously felt alone. He felt like a failure. He felt isolated. I'm sure he felt like God let him down, too. He had unmet expectations. And... Uh, and so, uh, you know, here he thinks everything's on cloud nine. And then how can Jezebel uh, have that kind of response, you know, in the face of all that God has done? And so whatever happened, something triggered in his heart and it went wrong. But God got him back where he needed to be so he could serve him, so he could fulfill the vision and the mission that God had for him. Daniel was patient and God gave him an abundance of revelation as he did with the Apostle Paul. Patient being, I mentioned this somewhere, I don't know if it was Sunday mornings or one of the sessions I was doing. Oh, I think it was, maybe it was Wednesday night. But anyway, recently I was preaching somewhere and I brought up Job um, and patience. Maybe it was at one of the funerals last week. I don't remember. But anyway, patience is typically dealing with suffering. And so, um, and so Daniel was, he was patient, right? He endured, uh, uh quite a bit. And, uh, and, and with that, he had an abundance of revelation. So when we suffer patiently, I do believe that it allows us to see things differently from the word of God. We start to see things the way Jesus saw them. You get, Psalms is not the same when you're not suffering. I know that for, for a fact. You know, when you're suffering, Psalms is a great, is a, it's a whole new book. <laughs> you know, when you're identifying with the psalmist and you're identifying with David or whoever's writing the psalm that you're reading, it's like, holy moly, this is just like, uh, it's just, a, it's awesome. It's just illuminated. And you're seeking in your soul uh, the comfort that comes from Scripture or the encouragement. It's vision. And God gives you better insights into what, typically? Well, the sufferings of Christ. A lot of those psalms are really the heart of Christ suffering on the cross and how he felt. And their dual application sometimes is David, sometimes it's Israel. But it's just interesting. It goes it goes deeper and deeper into into really uh, what it takes to be uh, someone to carry the vision and mission of God. So so just to kind of reiterate where we've been, and I'm going to have to I'm going to try to get through the first four verses in the time we have. Uh, point A is that God gives us vision and revelation when we spend time with Him. That's all verse one, uh, and we cover that Second Corinthians twelve and verse one. So if you're doing another point, I'll give you that. Uh, Point B is spend time privately in God's presence. Spend time privately in God's presence. 
and you would think they kind of go together. They are a lot alike, but not exactly. So let's look at the text once again. It says in verse 2, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. So as far as we know, Paul had not discussed his visions and revelations with anyone. Uh, we, We certainly know that even though these visions and revelations were very important to the ministry of Paul and the gospel, he did not share them with everybody he met. Right? He didn't cast his pearl before the swine. He was. He was. He's. Where, who did he invest his, his the visions and revelations? What people did he invest them into? Yeah, Timothy, Titus, certainly Christians, right? He didn't just go out on the... Uh, you see him preaching in Acts 17. He didn't get into all the, the depths of all the knowledge. He didn't get into seven dispensations or anything on Mars Hill, right? He gave him the gospel. But he, 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 he reserved that knowledge for the people. I'm sure him and Aquila and Priscilla and, pre, and some of those people that he hung with had a lot of great discussions. Titus, Timothy, of course, and uh, Silas and so on and so forth. I mean, the people that he ministered with, the, the Christian body is who he was sharing those visions and revelations with. So uh, we certainly know that that even though these visions and revelations were important to his ministry, they were also stewarded, right? He didn't just hand them out willy-nilly. He didn't just write a book and publish it and say, hey, everybody, uh, God published this book. But uh, it's presumed that the epistle was written about around 57 AD, which makes it the time of his vision around, if by this calculation, around 43 AD. And so, uh, you know, so that's that's well over a decade after Christ died. So it's presumed that this epistle, or uh, so this could have been while uh, he was in Tarsus in Acts eleven twenty five through twenty six. Uh, and so when he was, when was the last time you entered into prayer in your closet to meet with your maker? You know, that's a, practically speaking, where the rubber meets the road, where you just get alone with the Lord and and say, God, you know, I need you to talk to me. And and when we worshipped. Uh, God outside the doors of the church, right? When we're when we're we're maybe God pricks your heart in a service or whatever, and you're really doing business with God. How many times do we do that at home, right, and throughout the week? And that's that's important uh, for me. The daily devotions are what drive me to that kind of level of consecration in relationship to the Lord. And so if we only worship, if the only worship that we have with God is Sunday morning in corporate worship, um, then I can tell you right now, your Christian life is not strong enough for the world we're living in. I mean, it's just not going to hold up. We've got to have more. It's got to be a daily walk with the Lord because there's just too much, there's just too much influence. Once a week is it's like, do you eat once a week? No. I mean, I eat every day, multiple times a day. I, I didn't eat this morning, so I get home and Amy had to make me lunch. I was tired. I was like famished. I'm like laying my head on the table, zonked out. It's like somebody pulled the power plug. I had to get food, you know, and without food, I would be comatose. So, uh, it's, I mean, you got to get in the Word and meet with the Lord in a very personal way. It's not enough to know what Paul said about the Bible. we got to get in it ourselves. And, and what is God saying to me about the Bible? And so that's the second point. It, it, we got to spend personal time. It's got to be personal time uh, with God, allowing Him to speak to us from this vision, not some new vision, not some you know charismatic revelation. You know, I, I'm, I hear a lot of that kind of stuff. Not some extra biblical revelation, um, but and, but actually, what God's going to speak, and when He speaks, He's going to speak from His words, uh, from the Word of God, from the Bible. Okay. Point C: uh, Credible Christians transcend time and 
space to be in God's presence. Now that's interesting. Credible Christians transcend time and space uh, to be in God's presence. Now, think about that for just a minute with me. So, we do have access to the third heaven right now. When we bow our heads and pray, we're literally, we know. I mean, I know when I'm talking to God, my it's, it's, as, it's as if I'm in the third heaven. We're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. We have a direct connect through time and space. They have not yet invented the technology to get to the third heaven. But we are, you know, right now there's a lot of conspiracy theories about making humans into antennas and 5G. How many of you heard about all that? I'm sure you've heard about it, Nathan. And so, uh, you know, uh, our, is, you know, is COVID, is a vaccine turning you into a a Wi-Fi antenna through the, the, uh, what is it, the RMA, RNDA, or what? mRNA, you know, changing your RMNA, and how they're going to be identify you through the 5G network, all that kind of stuff. And if you haven't heard all that, that's fascinating stuff to think about. But I'll tell you what, <clears throat> i tell you what really puts the fear in the devil is the fact that, that every one of us are Wi-Fi antennas to the third heaven. <laughs> we have a direct connect. To God. We, we transcend time and space, so we don't need 5G. Uh, we've got we've got the Holy Ghost in us. So when we get saved, we get downloaded a packet called the Holy Ghost, and He is in us, and He changes us from the inside out. And uh, and I tell you what, it's, it's so it's so tangible that the, when they people don't see it, but it is. It's like we're sleeper cells. Someday the Lord's going to call, the trump's going to blow, and we're going to be changed. This is so real. It's going to change my DNA from the inside out if I'm here at the rapture, and it's going to change me from the inside out. So we do transcend time and space. Our, we are we are supernatural beings. Not to get too carried away with that because we got the natural man. So I don't want us to get too crazy here. But but the point is this: we do have Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's why we're called Christians. We're little Christ. So number one. Uh, so this is the third point I'm making under the point about uh, in, about uh, the visions and revelations. Credible Christians transcend time and space to be in God's presence. So obstacles to spending time in God's presence. There's going to be things. The devil, the world, and the flesh, as I talked about this morning, the world, the flesh, and the devil do not want us. They don't want us praying here in about ten minutes. Uh, they, that is the last thing that the adversary wants. So there's daily distractions. The things that chew up your time. Uh, 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 love is spelled time, right? And so there's things, whatever those things are, they chew up your time. There's also holding on to sins. The only thing that can block our fellowship with the Father is is sins. Uh, we talked about that this morning. Paul said he was caught up to the third heaven in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 2. And, uh, of course, what is the third heaven? It's literally the location of God's throne, uh, which sits atop the sea of glass, described in Revelation 4, 6, and 15, 2. Genesis 1 describes the universe divided by great firmament, or emptiness. We call outer space, and we separate it by three heavens. The first heaven is Earth's atmosphere. The second heaven is the firmament, or what we call today outer space. And the third heaven is the literal uh, heaven where God reigns in His glory. And uh, I believe that's the top of the universe, if we were going to orient it a geographic pattern. So when we worship God, we worship Him in spirit and truth. No one in the room has been caught up as Paul was into the third heaven. I mean, you got a lot of people writing books about all that. I don't know about that, but uh, it's not written in the Word of God. So I'm going with the Apostle Paul on that one. Uh, but we should still speak to, seek to spend time in, in the throne room with the God who rules the universe. And so when we talk about prayer, intercessory prayer, which is super important, as we just talked about this morning, uh, man, I, and that's what this is, is a prayer meeting. It's so important that we definitely get get, a, get focused on the reality that that our prayer life is 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 connected to the third heaven. All power was given to Jesus in heaven and earth. Matthew chapter twenty eight. 
in verse, uh, um, I think it's 19, 18. Yeah, thank you, Ron. I can count on Ron. Uh, 29, 28, uh, 18. All power is given to him in heaven and earth, right? And so we have that connection. So what is paradise and why was Paul caught up there? And that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Paradise is obviously located in heaven, uh, and there is no access until Jesus delivered captivity captive. In Luke 16, which is not a parable, by the way, it's a, an account, um, it mentions that Abraham's bosom was located in the center of the earth in a compartment called hell and hell's divided up between those those tormented in hell and those who were who had rest in Abraham's bosom at that time but in, in fulfillment of Psalm 66:18 and confirmed again in Ephesians 4:8 Jesus led those saints uh, preserved in Abraham's bosom out of the grave and on to heaven to be with him in what's called paradise and of course paradise was delivered up so hell is called a prison remember when he, Jesus hung on the cross today you will be with me in paradise well where, where did Jesus go the center of the earth to preach to the captives, and then he on the third day after his uh, when he rose again, he delivered captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, and that's the passage of Ephesians uh, in Ephesians four that I was referencing, Ephesians chapter four and verse eight. So hell is called prison in the scripture, uh, in the scripture, and so uh, before the resurrection there was a compartment there called paradise, and the rest was a compartment across that gulf. There, there was a great gulf, and there was the uh, place of torment, which is typically referred to as hell. So in First Peter three nineteen. Uh, the word of God states that Jesus spent time preaching to the souls in prison before he resurrected, delivering those who were in Abraham's bosom to paradise and leaving those in hell in torments awaiting their court date uh, with the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20 and verse 11. And so you'll find that the tree of life is is not located in heaven is not located in heaven in paradise in Revel- is now that should be is now located in heaven in paradise my notes say not revelation 2 7 and revelation 22 14 so uh, now where paul was caught up to there's also the tree of life according to the to john's vision and uh, and john's uh, what john saw in revelation 22 14 revelation 2 verse 7 all right so let me quickly uh, touch on a few notes i, I got to get done with this point um, number one caught up refers to rapture that's even today the word rapture rapturo is the latin word it comes from the it's caught up in in the english bible he was caught up to heaven even though paul is privileged uh, to see unspeakable information he is still limited in his understanding he doesn't know exactly how he was pr- present in the third heaven he also doesn't know every detail of his life as he returns to accomplish god's will and mission for his life or or he would have bounced out of Asia before going to Macedonia, right? So he's running around um, <clears throat> Turkey going, hey man, I want to go here, I want to go there. And then God says, no, you're going to go here. So even though Paul had all this revelation, he still didn't have the revelation that he needed day to day. He had to depend on the Lord's leading. So he'd gone to Arabia, he had all this incredible knowledge, just all this what we would call theology, information, knowledge of God, but yet he didn't know the next day if I was supposed to go over here to preach or... If, you know, he had to have a, a vision and a guy waving saying, come over to Macedonia. So God was still leading him step by step um, and letting him and, and informing him of what his plan and will was. Why is that? Well, because it's fluid. God is working in time. It's not locked in. That's why we got to pray. That's why we got to be sensitive to what God is doing. Because this, this game is in, it's not a game. This war is in motion. And so, so knowledge alone does not mean we have been spending time with God. That's the point. And a lack of knowledge is not necessarily an indicator that we have not been in his presence. Nobody was in the presence of God more than Paul, but that doesn't mean he always knew what to do next. The bottom
bottom line is that we too have access to the throne room of God and we should be spending time in Jesus' presence. So i finally get to the end of this point uh, and I'll look over at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. I've been throwing out a lot of references because i got to move quickly, but we'll stop here in, in uh, Hebrews 4.13 and then next time we'll pick it up uh, in verses uh, 5 through 8. So Hebrews chapter 4, and you probably know where I'm going with this because I've been talking around it uh, all evening. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so uh, that's a good way to conclude tonight because it's a prayer meeting. We need to come boldly before the throne of grace uh, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So credible Christians, this is what they do. This is the first point. Next time we get together, we'll talk about how credible Christians see the life from God's perspective. But tonight we focus on credible Christians spend time in God's presence. And that's exactly what we're fixing to do. We're going to go boldly to the throne of grace and pray. So um, so that's where we are. Let me have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in your word. I pray that you lead us as we talk about our prayer needs and we go to prayer here in just a moment. We thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to turn off this mic so we can move along.